welcome to the show. Sweet intro. This is an audio interpretation of things that I will be writing and posting on my blog. The name of this audio production is Cut the Fruit Fruit because I want to make content that is valuable and void of gimmicks and frou-frou. So there's that. And to cut straight to the chase in the vein of remaining true to the name of this podcast, I want to start things off by introducing my latest blog, which is called Mindset or Setting of the Mind. And ultimately, it's definitely part one, because I think there's probably a thousand more parts. And as my introduction to diving into what I talk about in the blog, I just want to make some distinctions and kind of set some guidelines. And the thing I want to say up front is that when we use the word mind, that in and of itself is pretty vague, because there's there's a heart mind, there's a mental mind, there's a cosmic mind, there's an original mind, and I'm sure there's a lot more kinds of minds. So when I'm referring to mind in this episode, I'm going to be referring to more of the egoic mind, more of the linear mind, the part of our thinking process that interprets what it experiences. And I think universally, this is the place that we really need to start from because if we're convinced that we're something we're not, which is essentially the egoic mind's whole ploy, if we're convinced that we're something we're not, we're not going to have a clear perception of any of our experiences. We will be interpreting our experiences to fit our narrative. So potentially, some might say it's tricky to use the mind to talk about the mind, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I think that there's no kidding ourselves. Like we have to, we have to both understand and understand intellectually for the sake of then being able to let that go. So kind of getting into the obtuseness of it, we want to be properly informed and have a clear mental understanding of ourself and then also not become um, fooled by thinking that that mental understanding is the end-all, be-all, or the only way to ever know ourselves in that. And so when I use the word having an embodied knowing of these things, an embodied knowing is obviously beyond an intellectual understanding or concept. So it's obviously a process, but I think if we can start to have a essentially daily practice of bringing awareness to everything that we are not, meaning start to catch ourselves in the narrative and just being able to witness that. We're not going to do anything about it. We're just going to be able to start to see it. 
waking up from the dream of it to see it in real time. And that's how we grow our awareness. And obviously meditation and breath work, and there's all of these different practices to help our awareness expand. But really, there's no substitute for practicing it every moment of every day, because that's really where it matters. And I think a lot of times, because the mind is the way it is, we compartmentalize our practices and our life. We separate. It's like, well, I have a doctor that gives me prescription medications for these things that I have. And I go to see a therapist when that's completely separate. And I, you know, I go to the gym and I have a job. But the reality is it's all connected, but the mind, the reason we think it's not connected or the reason it's hard to see the connections is because the mind, this part of our mind that I'm talking about, it wants things to be black and white because that's its strong suit. So I'll get all, I'll get more into all of this when the podcast actually begins, but I, I want to paint that picture Um, right up front, because to me, any issue comes from a lack of true understanding. And if we can see something clearly, we realize that, that, that there was no problem. It's the problems only exist, our suffering truly only exists in our fragmented perception of it. So without further frou-frou. Here's part one of 1000 on the mind. Mindset. The setting of the mind. Sometimes we have to set aside our rational thinking and rely on what we do not know yet. Our mind can memorize the steps, but until we feel the music, our movements are wooden, self-conscious, and separate. I'm willing to bet that 99.9% of people suffer the most because their minds do not work for them, and instead they live from the worry and fear that only can originate from and as a result of a mind that is misunderstood. There's a lot of talk these days around the importance of mastering our mind. The language tends to frame it as if we must conquer our mind with strength and willpower. And if we do not have the willpower to do this, we are weak and need to try harder. This is simply incorrect. Because the harder we try to conquer our mind with our mind, the tighter the mind will grip. For this reason, learning about the mind, beginning to tame it, become friends with it. It's a very delicate, delicate process. Obviously, we can't pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. And if we could, we wouldn't be listening to podcasts about topics such as this to begin with. And I wouldn't be all into this topic of conversation because I would just be out there crushing it. The mind is like an antenna. It is not who we are nor does it have original or creative thoughts in and of itself. It only picks up information that it gathers from the outside world. It wants facts 
facts based on what it can perceive with the five senses. And even then, it does not perceive reality. It only perceives what it wants to perceive based on the narrative that it has formed its identity around. What the mind does not know, the mind does not like. We, most of the time, desire change. Meanwhile, our mind hates change because to change is to traverse from one shore to another, and doing the work of swimming through uncharted waters is the only path, the only way that will take us there. This is terrifying. It requires us to push off from the shore of everything that we know. It is a leap of faith because we do not yet fully know what awaits us on the other side. No matter how small the change may be, change registers as a reckoning with the unknown and to our mind there is no difference between this and death. Meanwhile, we know intellectually with our mind that change most likely means feeling better and experiencing more joy in our lives. For example, things like changing our routine in order to get more sleep or to take better care of ourselves. In order to create this sort of change, we simply get out of our own way and do the things we want to do because we naturally desire things that boost our sense of well-being. However, it's obviously not that simple. We have fear, and therefore unconscious resistance, around doing the things we desire because we have a narrative running that has convinced us of something. Like perhaps, if we are to survive, we need to make money or prepare for the worst-case scenario. And if we don't have enough money, if we're not prepared for the worst-case scenario, we might die. But obviously, we might die anyways. So there's no end point to the logic, this logic of mind. It will fill up the silos. It will build a backup house. It'll build a bunker. It'll get a bunch of guns, fortress. It'll have everything it needs to survive. And it'll still be worried and anxious about its survival. We have narratives around needing to be loved, so we perform at a certain level or do certain things because we've learned that we get, we get love from that. At least we think we do. We get something from that. And we want that thing, so we learn to act in a way that ensures that we get it. But that's not necessarily who we are or what we even want. That's just perpetuating this pattern of essentially manipulating and being disconnected from what we actually want or what, or getting clear on what that need, what that hole is that we're trying to fill, what it, what it actually is wanting. So these are all useful thoughts to have because they help ensure our survival. But it's an outdated and primitive way of thinking one that has served us tremendously in the past as it has ensured our survival. However, our survival in this way has come at the cost of contributing to the creation of all of the modern issues we face now collectively. 
at this point in our evolution and history, we are being forced to reckon with everything that we have created out of this old mindset. This mindset is what needs reckoning with more than what is on the outside as a result of this mindset. So let me say that again. This mindset is what needs to be seen as the creator and the perpetrator of everything that we mistakenly think is happening on the outside, separate from our perception of it. Being in the present moment is an acclaimed practice and method for liberation and connection with the truth, because if we are truly present for a moment, it is in that moment of presence that the collection of programs and mental mechanisms ceases for just a moment, and we have an opportunity to experience who we are underneath all of the chatter and white noise that is our mind processing in the way that it has learned to process. So a simpler way of saying that is when we're actually present, our mental process stops. And it's the mental process that perpetuates the disconnection from the present moment, which is the only thing that is really connected to something that's real, because everything else is a mental process that is a daydream at best. Spiritual work is not sunshine and rainbows. It is the excavation of stagnant energy, and that energy takes the shape of memory, sound, smell, everything that our five senses can perceive, and a whole lot of other things that our five senses cannot perceive. Because energy is everything that exists between contraction and expansion, if we are to move forward towards remembering our authentic soul-level self, we will be forced to confront the feeling of expansion, which is life, and the feeling of contraction, which is death, fully over and over and over again. It's beautiful because this is the cycle of living a life. Essentially, spiritual work is built into the very framework of our existence. Nothing is inherently wrong. Oftentimes, we wrongly understand through the filter of our mind. Here's an example. Spiritual work and religion can both fall into a category of woo or cult weirdness for obvious reasons. But the reality is that cult means culture and we are all living in one and participating fully. We have a preconceived notion our own interpretation of things, that is what we react to more than the thing itself. So a deeper explanation of this is the word religion means simply to realign with the truth. And the Greek word, which is spelled M-E-T-A-N-O-I-A, poorly translates as repent which repent quite literally means to change your mind. So until the mind changes the way it processes the moment, nothing changes long term. I wanted to specifically use the word religion and cult and repent 
because those are pretty loaded words. Our mind has hair that pricks up on the back of our mind's neck when those words come up because some of the bloodiest wars and the most deceitful, manipulative, evil things are associated with those words. But when we look at the words, we realize, and I can just speak for myself, but it's like, well, I understand why those words are so loaded because we have this association. We have a preconceived notion. Our interpretation of these words is what we react to more than the thing itself. And this clouds judgment. This clouds our ability to see things as they are unobstructed with the mind. So until the mind changes the very way it processes the moment, nothing changes long term. Confusion and chaos, upset and frustration are all part of this process. So summary recap. Mindset. This is this is what I feel is important. If we can see the function of the mind clearly, then we can know its role, use, and purpose. And if we know its role, its use, its purpose, and can see that clearly, we can put it in our toolbox where we can then take it out to perform the tasks that it is designed to perform. And then we can put it back in the toolbox and avoid becoming lost in thinking that we are that tool. The cause of suffering from my perspective and from, I don't know, Buddhist perspective comes from overly identifying with the mechanism of our mind. So to see the mind clearly doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory, but we start to learn to live from this place of awareness that's beyond the mind that is just kind of prone to judge and point fingers and blame. So lastly, the knowledge that your own resistance and fear is the path towards liberating the energy that has been stuck is the most powerful idea a person could ever come up with. And that's just something that I think is really true. So thanks for listening. This essentially was part one of a 1,000-part series on mindset, the setting of the mind. So more to come.